Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. As we head into Hour 2, it is a delight to bring back to the airwaves of Phoenix and uh, to this show an, an old and great friend, Ed Morrissey. Among other things, he's the managing editor at Hot Air, hotair.com. Many of you know him as Captain Ed, the host of the daily podcast, The Ed Morrissey Show. Ed, how the heck are you, brother? I am the heck fine, brother. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing fine. I'm doing <laughs> fine. I'll... I'll expose a little secret. You and I were on a conference call this morning together talking about a few different issues. And one of the things that came up, of course, was all the all the various spokes that come out of the hub of this story of Jack Texiera, if I'm pronouncing his name right, the airman who who uh, has been arrested for releasing this classified intelligence. And you were running through in the call, you were running through a few really interesting cultural observations about this that maybe aren't getting their due. Am I setting this up right? Would you like to talk a little bit about what you were thinking about out loud with us earlier today? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I think that there is a problem, and it's not just among enlistees in the military, um, where people are just not um, quite as tuned in any longer to you know, the, the public good, especially if they're public servants of the public good, right? Mm-hmm. And what we're seeing, I think, an awful lot, and especially maybe in terms of social media, is that the incentives really are are driven to this sort of narcissistic behavior where everything is self-promotion, right? Yeah, and it, right. It, it's certainly the case right. uh, with uh, Jack Teixeira. I, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Well, I'll either. go with that. I'll take your word for it. That sounds good okay. to me. Yeah. And... Uh, well, <laughs> that way we can blame all, you if we get sued. Groping, we're all just groping in the dark on this name. <laughs> when your name sleeps and you're sensitive, not sensitive uh, to these things. Yeah, go ahead. Morrissey <laughs> sometimes a little bit, too. So, okay. yeah, no, I get it. Okay. Um, but um, that's certainly the case here, right? I mean, this guy was running a, ga- a, a, a chat room and a gaming platform, right? A Discord gaming platform. And trying to impress people on there about how tied in he was and how, you know, what an expert he was, and he was doing videos of himself, you know, at the target range. This is all according to the Washington Post and New York Times right. profiles of this uh, of this suspect. And the, that the, he exploited classified material to drive his own personal cult of personality. Right. And, and we see that in some of the classified material mishandling and and leaking mm-hmm. in a reality winner was unhappy with Donald Trump right. and she wanted to, you know, take down Donald Trump. So she's exposing material that really doesn't have a lot to do with Donald Trump and uh, doing so very foolishly because apparently she was bad at it. And the people, the reporters at the intercept were also bad at it. Mm-hmm. And she was able to be caught almost immediately based on markings on the document, which were very unique to her. And, um, and cases like this, but it's not just people who are um, who are just accessing this classified material is, is, is sort of like the 
the groundwork or the field work, or if you, you want to call it the grunt work of um, classified material handling. I used to do this, um, you know, this is quite a long time ago, this is decades ago, but I used to work in the defense industry, and I had a lower-level classification. I handled classified material. It never occurred to me to use that as sort of, you know, to show it off as sort of, well, this is what I've got yeah. uh, access it's to. It's not I'm, something I'm you would person. strut about. No. Because it led, it led to, I guess, maybe in what you might in Catholic theology call, you know, an avenue or an opportunity to sin, right? I mean, it kind of leads yeah, to occasion. that. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a near occasion to sin, It's an right? occasion to, and in, yeah, if you don't yeah. want to get hit by the train, don't lay in the tracks, right? That sort of thing, yes. And and so, but there wasn't this kind of social pressure either. I mean, when I right. was in, I, I was trying to explain this to somebody, um, in, in, specifically in the case of Texera, yeah. again, yeah. however it's pronounced. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we were warned repeatedly mm-hmm. that if you came in contact with a foreign national, didn't matter what the context was, you needed to report it to uh, the defense security right. the defense security organization, which at the time was called DISCO, right? Um, um, or the FBI. Mm-hmm. But you had to report it. Any contact with a foreign national at all had to be reported if you held a, a security clearance. Didn't right. matter what you were working on. And failure to report that would be an indicator, maybe a near occasion to the sin of espionage, right. if, if if that developed into that type of uh, exchange. And I remember friends of mine who were telling me about this really uh, nice Russian guy that they had met. This is during you know the Soviet Union years, and they really they were trying to figure out how to get him together with you know to meet me because they thought it would be interesting. I said, you don't really want to do that. Because I'd have to immediately report him to the FBI. And they said, well, you wouldn't do that. I said, you're darn right I wouldn't. I wouldn't waste any time doing it either. I said, you know, it's a bad idea. But we live in a world in social media. And the point of that story is we live in a world of social media where these contacts take place all the time. Right. You can't report them because a lot of times you're not even aware of them. That's right. And um, you don't even know who your quote unquote friends are on certain right. of these. I mean, we call friends what aren't friends and we get them by what? Exposing as much of ourselves as we can and exposing the most, I guess, what we think important or best part of ourselves as we can. That's how we get quote unquote online friends, right? Right. And, and Seth, I mean, this is part of, uh, of spycraft. Yep. Again, if you go through these types of, you know, if you, if you work in this type of business, you know, you, you go through security briefings where they warn you about things. People who become your friends, people who are who, who uh, are new friends who are very interested in what you do for a living, yep. right? Yep. Who, who want to talk to you about uh, about the uh, issues that you might be working on right. if you work at you right. know, Hughes Aircraft, which is yeah. where I was at. Yeah. And that's what you're supposed to be watching for. And mm, Never mind f- child trafficking. I mean, this is the same exact process. It's the it same is. exact, only, yeah. Go ahead. Only in this case, you've got the added pressure of social media, you know, dominance uh-huh. or social media you know, cultish behavior and that sort of thing. It makes so you've got that going, but there's also a moral component to yep. this, right? Yep. Which is that we are a lot more, I think, narcissistic. Yes, and that's not all social media, but I think social media is contributes to it and makes it worse. Um, we've gotten a lot more narcissistic to where these types of things were. You know, we're, we're all about the clicks. We're all about you know our own. How important I am! How beautiful I am! How much fun I am! Or I'm yeah, having exactly. right, yeah. And people are using their access to whatever they can get their hands on mm-hmm. 
in order to promote that. Yes. And for the, most of the time, this, this is fairly benign. It's, you know, well, I, I you know, I, I'm <laughs> interested in fashion. I use my access to fashion to, to get lots of clicks. Okay. Uh, I photoshopped gonna... my face a little bit or whatever. Yes, right. right exactly. Right, you, know, right. And, you know, all the different things that you can do. Right. But these are all essentially narcissistic behaviors. Right. And they really cut against the idea of a public good right. and of public service where you're First duty is to the nation in this particular case, uh, and not to yourself mm-hmm. when you're dealing with these materials. That's right. And it's n- and it's not just again, it's not just the people on the front lines. How many stories have we heard just in the last year, just in the last couple of months, of people who we had great public trust in who have basically purloined this classified material for whatever their own personal purposes are? And we don't even have to, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a, you know, political party sort of issue, because, you know, Bill Clinton did it. Um, there was, there was classified material found in, um, in George Bush's library, Mike Pence's library. I, I don't know that anybody's taken a good look at Barack Obama, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's in there. Um, Donald Trump, uh, Joe Biden, all over the place. Right. And including from when he was in the Senate, when he wasn't even supposed to have any. Yeah, he didn't have any custodial authority of that for that stuff in the first Ab initio. Yeah, he shouldn't have had it. And in right. reverse too, Ed. Right. I mean, in a weird way, in reverse as well, when you see the James Clapper type lording over of their national security clearances yeah. to make a political point above and beyond what they have been entrusted with in using their national security clearance in the first place. Right. Yeah. You know, that that's always bothered me. Yeah, because. Their security clearance is an asset to the country, right. not an asset to the person. Right. right, right. And it used to be, it used to be a long time ago that the the first rule of of security clearance club was you don't talk about security right. clearance club, <laughs> right. and the second rule of security clearance club is you don't talk about security. And that's clearance exactly club. right. And and yeah, that's very disturbing. Do you have a Do you have another segment in you? You got to run. I'd love sure. to keep you yeah, just no, a little bit longer. It, it's been. Um, it, there's a lot more to deal with here as well. There's a lot of interesting cultural downwash from this arrest. Ed Morrissey is our guest, among other things, managing editor at Hot Air. Great website, obviously. Hotair.com. I'm Seth. He's Captain Ed, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Ed Morrissey is my guest, among other things, the managing editor at Hot Air, hotair.com. He also hosts his own daily podcast, the Ed Morrissey Show. Ed and I are kind of talking about some cultural curiosities and interesting points on the on the airman Jack Tuxera, who uh, released this classified intel, who was arrested last week. You used the word, Ed, you used the word narcissist or narcissism. I think that's a really good word for some of this. And if I have the story right, you know, unlike other classified leaks that we've mostly been used to in the past, national security intelligence leaks, it's to the point of narcissism. It's not as if, if I, again, have the story right, he didn't take this to a, a defense reporter at the Pentagon, at uh, the New York Times or the Washington Post. This was just a an exposure to a group under something called Thug Shaker Central, right? I mean, this wasn't like he was trying to effectuate or blow the whistle on some great thing, he, some great wrong he was seeing from the inside, necessarily. I could right. I, I mean, to the point of this being all the more narcissistic. Yes. 
and and I would argue that even some of the whistle, so-called whistleblowing um, uh, leaks. I would and, yes, I would uh, argue that point too. Fall, I'm on your fall side. Under yes, yes, as well. of course. <laughs> and I'll get to that in just a second. Okay. But but, um, but yes, this was strictly for for basically making him look tough. Mm-hmm. I, and I don't know a better way to put this. Yeah. I mean, he wanted he wanted to look tough. He wanted to look like he was, you know, read into all sorts of different things. I think the people who were part of this part of this chat group who were teenagers, some of whom were teenagers, um, looked up to him. They called him like a father figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, they called him the OG. Right. Okay, 21 years old. Right. 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 This is the original gangsta. Right. Uh, that's right. what OG stands for, right. for for people who don't know. Yeah. And you know, this guy was on a power trip. Uh, it completely internal, completely motivated by himself, narcissistic. I don't know a better way of putting this power trip. And and so I find that very uh, revealing. I mm-hmm. think of of I don't want to read too much into this. I don't want to say well. You know, it starts sounding like a you know get off my darn lawn sort of moment where mm-hmm. people say, oh, "Back when I was, yeah. back when I was doing this." I, I, I find myself like increasingly falling into that territory uh, these days. By the way, I'm not so sure it, we're wrong to. It is. It is. I think uh, you know, based on our age. Yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a risk that we run. Yeah, but based on the, the times too, maybe maybe we need more of that. Though, yeah. 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 But you know, and even some of these so-called whistleblowing leaks. Yeah. Right. We're really self-promotional as well. Of course. I mean, again, the reality winner thing, I think, is a, is a clear example of yeah. that. Um, but even, you know, Edward Snowden. Edward Snowden could have gone to Congress. Yep. There, this is also something, if you've, if you've held a security clearance, and they don't really hammer this too much because they don't want people doing this, but they will discuss with you the proper way mm-hmm. of raising mm-hmm. uh, concerns about the material or, or what's going on. And the proper way is... First, through the chain of command at your either military or your, uh, you know, if you're in, in a defense contracting position, you know, the, the, the company uh, raising the issue. If you don't get satisfaction that way, uh, then you go to Congress. Yeah. There are rele- you know, whatever the relevant congressional committee is, either in the House or the Senate, you can go to either or both and tell them that there is an issue that needs to be addressed and then take your lead from them and, and, and see where that goes. These are things that you can do prior to giving it to a reporter for the New York Times. I'm just using the New York Times as an example because it seems to be the target for most of this. Um, or the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't do that. And they get lauded as whistleblowers. And sometimes they're raising very, very good issues. I mean, I think the stuff that Edward Snowden was raising were, were, were very important issues. But the way it was done, it did a tremendous amount of damage to the country. It did a tremendous amount of damage to uh, to security, to our uh, a national security, to our intelligence gathering operations, uh, who may very well be have been abusing some of their own authority, but who still have a legitimate mission to protect uh, to protect the United States from people who want to do us harm, and. It gets back again to the idea that when you are the steward of these types of uh, materials, is that you really have to put that first? Yeah. Yes. Now, if somebody's gone through that whole thing and they can't get something done and it's really something wrong, then 
you know, then I guess you leak it to the New York Times, but you be prepared for the fallout and you limit how much you're going to release. Yes, yes. So, and so and forgive me for saying, and this goes to the narcissist aspect, too, that you may not know everything there is to know exactly. about what the damage will be and maybe why the higher ups aren't taking it the way you want them to. And if you feel so strongly about it, you are engaging in an act of lawbreaking, which triggers some kind of notion or should of moral obligation to accept the civil disobedience aspect of it. I mean, yes. you you know, if you want to be a hero because you think you're doing something heroic, then do what the civil disobedient heroes of yore from Thoreau to Gandhi to Martin Luther King did, which is accept the consequences because what you think you're doing is that important. That is what civil disobedience is. It's not fleeing the jurisdiction and becoming a citizen of an enemy country. And I would also, just to extend thoughts on something else you said, is that the pro- part of the problem, too, in, in some of these whistleblowing cases, even when it's even when it's legitimate whistleblowing, even when it's well-intended whistleblowing, right? People yeah. think that there's something yeah. you know terribly wrong, or that there's some you know some terrible you know gap in in uh, national security, that sort of thing, or our policies are off, uh, which is a lot of times it's a policy issue Mm -hmm. uh, rather than an actual crime that's being committed. Right. Um, They don't know everything. That's right. The system is designed so you don't know everything. All the people at the top are supposed to know everything, and usually they don't. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, that's right. It it gets stovepiped up there, which is another whole issue. Right. There's one other aspect of this that we haven't discussed, which is overclassification. Yes, of course, that exists, too. But again, not to be determined on an individual anarchic basis. (laughs) No, it's true. Right. But what I would say is, just very briefly, because now we're almost out of time, um, is that overclassification is a huge problem. And the reason why is because the more you classify, the more people you have to have to manage it. And and. And then they get access to a bunch of stuff that they shouldn't have gotten access More to. More occasions to sin, right? Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Back, it all comes back to Catholic theology in the end, doesn't it? <laughs> Ed <laughs> Morrissey, this was a great visit and catch up, and I hope down payment on many more frequent and regular ones. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Great being here. Great, great having you. Ed Morrissey, you can uh, keep in touch with him on hotair.com. Just a great website, and of course, his own podcast, The Ed Morrissey Show. I'm Seth Leapson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. I just heard an ad for Dennis Prager's trip to Israel, which is a great trip. I've done that uh, with him. Uh, but if you can't do that and you want to see Dennis, we're doing a great event with him. Uh, we're doing a cigar night with Dennis Prager. It's only 10 days away. You can get your tickets at 960thepatriot.com. And it's going to be deliberately small and intimate. You'll all, everyone who goes, will have uh, the opportunity to have FaceTime. And and um, I, I don't love that phrase, FaceTime. Talk time. In-person time with Dennis Prager. It's uh, deliberately kept that small. I helped, uh, you know how much I love food. I helped create the menu. It's going to be great. Uh, drinks, cigars, and Dennis Prager. What more could you want? It's uh, April uh, 27th. Tickets available at 960thepatriot.com. And then I'll be interviewing him on all the stuff we talk about, primarily the kind of stuff you hear in my monologues. If you have questions you want me to ask, Dennis, give me a call or send me an email, and uh, we'll try and work it in. But I just don't think there could be a more important analyst or commentator on the times we live in. And the way out, 
than Dennis Prager. So cigar night with Dennis. You don't have to smoke a cigar. You don't have to. If you want to, you they'll <laughs> we'll have them for you. And uh, if you don't want to, uh, well, um, you know Dennis's view on secondhand smoke. It's irrelevant anyway. So <laughs> join us uh, on the 27th. It'll be good to see you. I'll be there. And uh, just what could be better? Who could be better? Um. I guess we came in, too, with a little Kid Rock, didn't we? He's gotten a new life here, and importantly so, particularly on this Bud Light, ongoing Bud Light contretemps. Um, The folks at Anheuser-Busch released a new video this morning. I don't know, a new ad, I should say, a new advertisement. Uh, Kind of an odd response. What they did is they, they took their Clydesdale, and they're running it through... America's themes, uh, American monuments, American historical monuments to show the patriotism of the Anheuser-Busch company. It's not going to work, I don't think. There is one thing they can do which might work, which is the thing that they won't do because of the backlash from the tyranny of the minority which is to say we erred. This was a mistake. It was uh, an error in judgment. We, uh, America's forgiving. At least most of us. Sane America is forgiving. Sane America is forgiving. The people who won't be forgiving are the progressive woke. And they can't be forgiving as much as they cannot be satisfied. There is no level of their demands at which you can meet that will not create further demands. It's uh, kind of uh, it's kind of like uh, something I think Caller Doug, who may call back, I hope he does. Caller Doug has spoken about before, with regard to socialism and capitalism. There is no um, amount of capitalism that can prove successful that will keep it from being denounced amongst the left, and there is no amount of socialism that can fail that will keep it from being praised from the left. Something along those lines. You're you're not going to satisfy this vocalized tyranny. I was watching a, a clip of Whoopi Goldberg uh, with the 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 ladies from the View saying, you know, it's beer. Who cares? Why do people on the right care so much about beer? Well, I'll tell you something. Um, for some reason, progressives thought it was important to care about syrup. And they thought it was important to care about rice. And they thought it was important to care about the name of the Washington football team and other football teams and baseball teams across the country. They think these cultural indicators matter. They think they matter more than anything else. I mean, why couldn't you say that about a statue? Why would you want to take that? It's a statue. It's not even got a life to it. I mean, a beer can you open up has a life. A baseball game or team has a life. It's it's lifeless. It's an inanimate object and you care. So don't be giving me this this self-righteous moral indignation that we care about the small things. What we've learned from you, progressive left, is there is no such thing as a small thing, and you will gobble and gobble and gobble and gobble until there are no good things left. And heaven forfend, we just push back a little bit. We just push back a little bit and say, this was a wrong thing. This was a bad idea. This was a mistake. 
Um, the idea of con- using patriotism to overcome it without an apology, that seems to me, pardon the expression, small beer. Groupthink can prevent you from seeing the obvious. In 2008, Groupthink remained in denial when it was obvious that mortgage-backed securities filled with subprime loans were a house of cards. The Midas Gold Group has been telling people the obvious for years. A system of currency built on debt is not stable. Most importantly, they've said that the banking system is unstable and treasuries are not risk-free. Abandon the Groupthink of mainstream media and bankers and get a different perspective from Midas Gold Group. Wise diversification involves having money outside of the banking system. Call the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group to look into safeguarding your money with the stability of gold from the only precious metals dealer that Seb Gorka, I, and thousands of you already know. Gold traditionally holds its value when economies fail. Check them out at MidasGoldGroup.com. MidasGoldGroup.com, or better yet, call them at 480 480- Three six zero three thousand. That's four eight zero three six zero three thousand. The Midas Gold Group, your vault of confidence. I was um, talking earlier about institutions like West Point and the military academies that we have traditionally relied upon to help train up and raise up not only those who were born not to moral poverty, but those who are, and how successful these institutions have been, and how much harder the job has become. Harder in both senses. The institutions aren't exactly the same thing they always were, but the challenges have grown probably exponentially worse than they have in the past. There's a great piece by David McCormick in the Wall Street Journal today, America's cultural cancer manifests itself in many ways, but no symptom is more telling than our low military recruitment. Last year, the Army hit only three-fourths of its recruiting target, while other services had to scramble to meet theirs. This year looks to be even worse. The all-volunteer force formed 50 years ago is in danger and threatens our ability to defend ourselves in a dangerous world. But what does this say about America? says we have a national health crisis. A volunteer military requires able-bodied recruits, but almost 80% of young Americans are unfit to serve for health reasons. Behind that statistic lies a mountain of concerning data. Every year, fentanyl and other drugs take more than 106,000 lives and affect millions more, reducing the pool of recruits. It says that partisan politics have infected America's core institutions. Civilian leaders have used the uniformed services as political pawns and directed them to push progressive priorities. This makes it harder for military leaders to accomplish their central mission, fighting and winning the nation's wars. It also explains why less than half of Americans express confidence in the U.S. military, a 22-point drop over the last five years. The politicalization of institutions, whether the military, schools, or professional athletics and sports, divides our country in the areas, important point, divides our country in the areas where they should be most unified. These divisions contribute to the atomization of American society, which the U.S. military hasn't been able to escape. In the late 1980s, 
When a young Lieutenant McCormick looked at his platoon in the 82nd Airborne Division with a Southern Baptist from Alabama, a black man from Newark, and a Puerto Rican platoon sergeant, he saw a strong, diverse, and confident America. Now, the military draws from a shrinking pool, most with parents or close relatives who served. The rest of society has few family ties to the military. It's only one of thousands of small fractures subdividing our society, stoked by social media, the left's obsession with race, sex, and identity, and extreme figures on the right as well. These factors fuel the greatest cultural ailment of all, waning confidence in American exceptionalism. Members of the military carry on a proud tradition, and the nation owes them huge gratitude, but their willingness to wear the uniform stands out in a country where only 9% of those eligible to serve wish to do so. Think about that. How did it come to this? Americans have been fed a narrative of victimhood. Our society treats veterans as victims, or worse, charity cases, not as warrior citizens, taught leadership, discipline, and camaraderie. On campus, in the media, and across popular culture, grievance is the new currency of the realm. Children are taught to doubt, not love the country, and leaders on both sides of the aisle question our goodness and decency. Perhaps we shouldn't be surprised that less than 40% of Americans value patriotism and about the same say they are proud to be an American. The same forces that threaten the all-volunteer force endanger American society at large. These concerns animate the book we wrote called Superpower and Peril, the authors write. But policy alone won't heal a spiritual problem. The American spirit fills our national character with courage, ambition, and creativity. It is our source of strength when times get bad and the defining feature of American exceptionalism. And that spirit has been neglected or worse, suppressed by the forces laid out there. And the military recruiting crisis is a direct result of that decline. William Buckley defines citizenship as the union of privilege because to be an American is to be blessed with liberty and opportunity. It's the union of privilege and responsibility because Americans have a duty to preserve this country and to serve our nation. Today we have the balance wrong, emphasizing privilege and forgetting responsibility. The military recruiting crisis is probably a lagging indicator of a greater American cultural collapse. Or maybe it's the canary in the coal mine, an early warning that it's time to rescue exceptionalism. I don't think there could be a more important message. And I'm going to talk to Brandon Weikert in a little bit here coming up, who I know has some controversial views on some of our social and domestic policy agendas. But on that, there can be no retreat. I was given a talk last night to a great group. And I guess in most of my public talks over the last maybe decade or so, I've talked about this notion that you sometimes kind of wake up and hear the news or watch the news on TV or read the morning papers and wonder if it's the same country you remember from, if not the decade before, the day before. And, you know, I get some nods here and there over the years. Increasingly, as I'm giving speeches these days, the whole room is nodding. There's this sense we just 
don't recognize this place anymore. It's not that something has changed. It's that everything has changed. And it's that everything that we need to grasp. It's not just the military. It's not just the recruitment. It's not just public health. It's not just physical health. It's not just mental health. It's not just youth culture. It's not just the advertisements we put on beer or the political games we impose upon our children to fight out on their schoolyards and playgrounds. It's everything. It's everything. It's all of that and more. Folks, if you're uh, nervous about the economy uh, and looking for a good place to invest, why refi has an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's neither correlated to the stock market nor the Fed. It's an investment where you can compound your interest. You can turn your monthly income on or off. There's no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Complete freedom. It's a secure collateralized portfolio. No fees. Why refi? A due diligence approved firm, where, as I mentioned, you can earn up to a ten and quarter percent rate of return, a fixed ten point two five percent rate of return, is based here locally. And I encourage you to stop by their offices. They're over on Scottsdale Road in the one hundred one. I've been there a few times. I can tell you, you will not get a sales pitch. No one's going to ask you to sign anything. Great people. When you meet them, when you meet the team at Why Refi, you'll see why I trust them. So much. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34, 888-YREFI-34. I'm still seized by this notion of whoopies and so many that we seem to care about these small little things like Budweiser, I don't know, pronouns. Gerald Baker at the – Gerard, sorry, Gerard Baker at the Wall Street Journal – was um, writing about the decline of Western civilization. He put it this way. I was reminded of the decline when I read last week that employees at Goldman Sachs have recently been encouraged by their leaders to embrace a full rainbow range of pronouns when identifying themselves in communications, including such neologisms as Zer and Zemself. Do you know what the Z thing is all about? It's a small thing, he writes, another little step down in the long, steady descent of Goldman Sachs, which I'm told, or Goldman, which I'm told still hires a good number of people of genuine talent alongside the rising numbers of identity box checking drones who help enforce the unspoken rules of woke compliance. We might dismiss it as another piece of ludicrous public relations messaging designed to keep social media stormtroopers at bay, but I prefer... The story I heard recently of a British army officer who finding Zemself seconded to a suitably modern government department and faced with a similar instruction to identify Ziz pronouns, promptly circulating a memo to colleagues with the declaration that his pronouns will remain, Colonel and Sir. People think you're making a big deal out of a small thing. Ask them why they're saying anything about it if it's such a small thing. We'll be right back.